any financial support that you can provide. Our opening hymn today is Come We That Love the Lord, purple number 732, in honor and glory of the anniversary of Gary and Kathy Gross, who are just uh, real chief movers and shakers here in the church, and they are coming up on their 20th wedding anniversary. So let us stand, come as we that love the Lord, purple number 732, please.
turn to prayer, our morning prayer, we want to remind you all that our scripture reading today is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. May we ask God's blessing upon Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. Go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning we just want to thank you. It seems like we're just running on all fours. We're just trying to catch up with ourselves. We thank you for the Sunday school class that we had and the great depth of knowledge and wisdom that we, we share in the teaching, the teaching that goes on in our Sunday school classes. We pray that you be with our teacher Ira as he travels to be with family and friends and loved ones. We thank you for teacher Sam and We thank you, Father, for the great heritage of all the United Methodist Church and the great teaching ministry that you have here at Sunday School. As we come now to worship and hear the word expounded and preached on, we just pray that you help us to focus in on the fact that your eternal word is, is granted to us in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. How God's precious word, and we are to be discerners of the times in which we live, and, and we, we inquire, Father, in, in your word about the woes. In this uh, passage of scripture was a similar sermon that Jesus gave Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and the warnings that he gave. Some have looked at this as an abbreviated form of, of this scripture in, in Matthew chapter 5, 5, 1-12 about the blessings and the woes and oftentimes we we want to pursue the blessings and we don't want to pursue the woes. And in this passage of scripture today, we, we see the flip side of the blessings, the woes. In our country, it's encountering many woes now because of so many blessings that have been granted unto this nation, the United States, and they've abused the privileges, they've killed the unborn, and the woes that come as a result of the lack of our respect for the sanctity of life. We pray, Father, for your blessing upon our scripture, upon our nation. We, we pray that the world seems to be in such chaos the last few months with the Afghan situation and pulling out the troops before the civilians. We see the border crisis and we see the lack of sense of understanding of the Chinese conflict and the Russian conflict. And although we see our world falling apart, it seems to be kind of falling into place according to prophecy and end time results. We pray your blessings now upon our worship. We ask, O oh Lord, as the prophets of old reminded the people they, they brought comfort to the afflicted and affliction to the comforted. And we just pray, Father, that you speak to our hearts today. We thank you for the many blessings as we look into our upcoming Sundays. Last Sunday of the month, we're showing enemies within the church and having our potluck and following the worship service. Pray for the activities of this day as the world is really getting into the Super Bowl. Help us to look at the fact of our worship. 
and then the tributes that we are to pay to one another in Valentine's Day and, and St. Valentine, who originated Valentine's Day and was a proponent of, of always granting blessings and praise to the majesty and the holiness and the righteousness of God. We pray, Father, for those who support our church, we thank you for Elsie Bolquist, who's been so supportive, and she prays for our church daily, and she supports her, our church financially. We pray for the Krauses, Krauses, and we pray for Gary and Kathy and Chandler. We thank you, Father, for the completion of our, our finding our way financially ahead. As I spoke just uh, minutes ago with Pastor Bruce, and, and as he called during your Sunday school class, we pray that you'd be with him in his pulpit as he shares the word. We pray for many other pastors, not only Lutheran Methodist Church, but all Protestant Catholic churches that gather today and examine the scripture. We pray that they may be truly led of the Spirit. For these other prayer requests, we thank you for the safety. Turn and Curtis Joe and Jeannie and those who are traveling, those who are not with us today, we pray that you be with them. Surround them with your presence of, of peace. As you taught us all to pray, saying the prayer that you taught your first disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So glad to see Doc in there, that, that true basic voice, whenever you want to come up here and sing with the praise group. Can you give us a little briefing on how things have been going with yourself and your brother. Would you like to make your way up right now? Would you give us a little briefing on how you're doing? Are you able to speak? Well, by the grace of God, I am. Are you sure you want me to? Yeah, take, take a minute or two here as people are turning in their Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26. We're going to have Doc come forward. I was thinking of you this morning. Financial giving reports are out, and I, I believe they're at the back of the church, if you've financially given to the church in any way. And Doc, have you ever been in this pulpit? You want to come up here? Uh, and let your anointing? Okay, you, you need to come on this side here. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Randy, and all you here. I didn't plan on speaking, but I've already got a word to say. And my wife says, and I can do it better than I did last May, June, and July when I sounded like Mickey Mouse. But surgery went well. So praise the Lord. So healing is amazing. It comes to us without any preparation in that part of the body, but yet the body knows what to do because we're just created to do so. So I just thank the Lord for the blessings. But a tough year, though, I lost my own sister a year. December from COVID, and then uh, dear father-in-law was in the pew just right by.
June in 98, just a very short illness, Warren is his name, and by uh, November was clouded, but briefly, by the death of my brother-in-law, Scott, who uh, had COVID, and then my brother, Peter, that we didn't know what he had, but he died. Norwegian. No, Norwegian. No, I didn't agree. Yeah, I 
officer ascended with strict. And we find in verse 20 there, Jesus looked up at his disciples and began to preach. Now, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you. We can't like the first few verses, but now as he turns, he says, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, when they revile you, and when they defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. Leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to, woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Good morning. Now, we've all heard of the Sermon on the Mount, but our passage today is actually known as Sermon on the Plain, or Level Place. And this sermon runs between verses 20 to 49. The word blessed used here means that we are blessed despite our circumstances of the world right now, things going wrong and evil. We know our eternity. That's why we're blessed. Here in Luke's book, Jesus never directly tells people to make the choice between the two things he showed them. But he confidently presents it to them knowing that they will make their own choice between the two worlds. Now that decision that he showed them is still relevant to us today. We have to make that decision multiple times a day in every circumstance. Right or left, right or wrong, good or bad, very common in our existence to do that. Then it says, blessed are men who hate you. This didn't make sense to me. But when it says hate you, it means it's for the sake of your preaching and showing the Gospels to other, others. Acting or, or talking as a genuine Christian is mainly unwelcome and repulsive in many of our circumstances today. We, 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 we want to know if we're really standing out of crowd, crowd. Speak right about Jesus Christ and show your faith. That will make you show, show like a sore slump. And you can certainly be persecuted on some level or be made uncomfortable or unwelcome. But according to biblical prophecy, it's all supposed to happen this way. This is the majority calling the good bad and the bad good. That's how it's supposed to go. That is how it's going right now. This is why we may be labeled as evil or bad. We're, we're actually doing good. We're doing the Lord's work. We're saying the Lord's words. And we're, we're being called evil or bad. That's according to prophecy. God knew what happened. Verse 21 says, those hungry will be fed, and those weeping will have their mourning turned into laughter. 
For instance, hunger is not speaking of the physical stomach, empty stomach hunger. It's speaking of a spiritual thirst. The spiritually hungry are really seeking a genuine fulfillment and righteousness, which cannot be found in anything except one thing, faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way they will have their, their um, spiritual stomachs filled. It then says, those who are hated will be blessed. It speaks of being persecuted socially and physically for showing the words and actions of Christ to others. You're not welcome here with that kind of talk or action. It's commonly heard many, in many circumstances today. Remember though, you're unwelcome because of your boldness of Christ. And you're suffering because of that. This isn't people thought of this, and I thought, oh, that, that, that makes sense now. But people make fun of you and put you down with your faith in Christ. It's not you they have a problem with. It's themselves. Their own feelings of insufficiency and, and weakness, that, is, that comes about having the Lord in their life. When they're rejecting you because of your open faith in Jesus Christ, they're really saying, oh, that I feel guilty. That's what. That's the way it is when, when you're persecuted. And when it speaks of the rich, the rich that spoke of the rich, it refers to those having that have only sought consolation and solace in their earthly belongings. I don't feel good. I'll buy a new car. That'll make me feel good. I'll buy a new house. I'll buy this jewelry that, and then plus that'll make me look better than others. That's how they try to fill the spiritual hole. But that's not what they need. That's what they use. That's what's available to them to use to fill it. But that spiritual hole can only be filled one way. Faith in Jesus Christ. That alone can make you content with your life and your service. When, it's, when it speaks of those who are full, like I say, it's not, they're not talking about the, the belly of people. The empty belly. They're talking about the hunger for something spiritually enriching. Then it uses the word woe to those who are spoken of well bothered people. This again is got a hollow, fleshly satisfaction. Other earthly people may share in your limited human earthly joy, but that joy will perish and go away with you or them. If your pleasure is shared with others that share your joy and earthly pleasures, it's completely placed and you're counting on the wrong thing. That is not where your joy and happiness is supposed to be. Do you know why? Because it's fleeting. It goes away. It may be good for right now. You may feel, oh, I feel good now because I had this in my hands. I'm driving this. That's not how you are truly happy. That does not satisfy the hunger. And you would not find such agreement and earthly camaraderie if you placed your spiritual wants and drive your hunger towards the heavenly doctrine. False prophets will come and they will claim a false deity. Hey, I'm just like God. And people will actually follow that. Do you know why? Because it fills that hole they have in their spirit. That's 
spiritual empty belly will be satisfied by leaning on a false prophet. That is the way it's going to go. The false prophets will say, hey, I'm just like God, look what I can do. They'll be highly thought of. And almost to the point where they're worshipped by their people. Because they are unaware of their counterfeit deity. For their own counterfeit satisfaction. To live under the results of the woe. The word woe means to live under condemnation. Suffering under a dreadful curse is the present that only leads to eternal punishment. The woeful may not experience apparent discomfort during the sleep life because they fill it with hollow things. They fill it with things that just fit up here, not in their soul. And their woeful will not experience apparent discomfort during this life. But you know what? They'll pay for it in the end. When they realize that their thirst and hunger were concentrating their own satisfactions, it'll be too late for them. Thank you, Mike. If any of you, by way of television or radio, would like to have a one-on-one -on -one with Mike, he'd certainly like to share his testimony. It's one of just a few people that I know of that died two or three times and had the experience of being in a body bag and coming back and his testimony I heard a number of times and I just always enjoyed hearing it again and again and all. Most of the skeleton was removed because of the swelling in that and replaced. Did they replace the same brain? Or uh, they ordered my skull and I put it back okay. a week later. Okay. But I only died four times. Amen. resembles in many respects his well-known Sermon on the Mount, according to Matthew chapter 5. Following the resemblance, as Mike was sharing, was certainly at a different time. In fact, it's so striking that many have concluded that St. Luke and St. Matthew are reporting one and the same discourse, and that St. Luke is just giving us an, an abridged form summarized form, what St. Matthew reports at length. Now, if you've ever been in the pulpit, some of my very distinguished evangelists and pastoral friends they, that have retired, they'll, they'll work on a message, and they, they work on that message, and they give that message a number of times. But if you're a pastor, and you deal with a frequent congregation, you never want to repeat yourself. But Jesus was on foot, and he was ministering to vast groups of people. And there seems um, no sufficient ground for a conclusion that this was the same message, but an abridged one, but it was in a different location, a different time. In the occasions in which the two discourses were delivered were entirely different. Our Lord's repeating it, repetition of the same great lesson in almost the same words, on two different occasions is, is nothing extraordinary. You know, we hear presidents giving talks and 
sharing words or politicians sharing certain words. And it's really unreasonable to suppose that none of his, Jesus' mighty teachings were ever delivered more than just once. They were powerful. In the present case, their repetition is, is very significant. It's very necessary. It shows us the great and the deep importance of the lessons which these two discourses um, contain. Well, let us, let us notice in these verses who, who are those whom the Lord Jesus pronounced his blessing upon. Do we want to come under that canopy, that umbrella of blessing? Well, the list is it's remarkable and it's, it's, a, it's a startling one. It singles out those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who weep, and those who are hated by other humans. These are the persons in whom the great head of the church is blessed. Another rendition are, are happy, to be happy are those, are ye. We must take good heed that we do not misunderstand our Lord's meaning when we read these expressions. We, we must not for a moment suppose that the mere fact of being poor, being hungry, and sorrowful, and hated by others will Will, will entitle any one of us to lay claim to an interest in Christ's blessings. The poverty here spoken of is a poverty that's accompanied by grace, by God's grace. You've heard me say many times that G-R-A-C-E stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. The want is a want entitled by faithful Faithful adherence to Jesus. The afflictions are the afflictions of the gospel. The afflictions are the afflictions of the gospel. The persecution is a, is a persecution for the Son of Man's sake. Such want, such poverty, such affliction, such persecution were the inevitable, the inevitable consequences of faith in Christ at the beginning of Christianity. Thousands had to give up everything, everything in, in this world because of their religion. If you're kind of keeping track and following along in the bulletin in the back, the outline in the back, you'll notice that the world, because of their religion, because of their religion, it was, it was their case which Jesus had specially in view in this passage. He desired to supply them and all who suffer like them for the gospel's sake. Never in the history of humanity has there been so much persecution in so many different countries and lands. And I really fear the state of confusion and chaos that we're in the United States and in Canada. The um, sense of alienation. I fear for another civil war along Christian lines. And I think these, this great reset that people are talking about and the, those who are really in control of our destinies here upon earth in this great reset is creating a, a real division. And we see things falling apart and basically prophetically they're falling into place. We need a sense of comfort and we need a sense of consolation. 
Let us notice secondly in these verses, who are those? Who are those to whom our, our Lord addresses the psalm-worn words, woe, woe unto you. Once more we read expressions which at first might seem most extraordinary. Woe unto you that are rich, woe unto you that are full, woe unto you that laugh, woe unto you when all men and women, boys and girls, shall speak well of you. Stronger and more cutting sayings than these cannot be found in the New Testament. Here, however, we no less than in the preceding verses, we must make and take care that we do not misapprehend our Lord's teachings and meanings. We are not to suppose that the, that the possession, the possession of riches and, and the rejoicing of the Spirit and the good word of man are necessarily proofs that people are not Christ's disciples. Abraham and Job were rich. David and St. Paul had their seasons of rejoicing. Timothy was one who had a good report from those who were without. All these we know were true servants of God, true servants of God, and all these were blessed in this life and shall receive the blessings of the Lord in the day of his appearing. Who are the persons? I ask you by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook and other means of communication, who are the persons to whom our Lord says, Woe unto you. They are the people who refuse to seek treasure, treasure in heaven, because they love the good things of this world better. They love this world rather than God's promised world. For Christ's sake, they, they are people who prefer the joys and the so-called happinesses of this world to the joy and the peace in believing, and will not risk the loss of the one in order to gain the other. They are those who love the praise of man and humans than the praise of God. I know in playing sports, military, and other facets of my life, rank and grade and ribbons, medals for truly appreciated. I never know of any that deny those. But do we seek the praise of man more than the praise of God and will turn their backs on Christ rather than not keep in with the world? One of our former presidential candidates that's running for office claimed to be religious because he at one time was in missionary work. But then he went in and removed from all the chaplain's prayers the use of Jesus. We could pray in God's name, but we could never use the word Jesus' name. And I encountered a little conflict with him, and sometime later he ran for the vice president of the United States. Fortunately, never, never came about. But these are the kind of people whom our Lord had in view when he pronounced the solemn woes and solemn words, woe. Woe unto you. Jesus knew well that there were thousands of such 
persons, thousands who, notwithstanding Jesus' miracles and sermons, would love the world more than him. And the number of times I was asked to pray over them, sent into the House of Representatives in the state of Minnesota, I would always use Jesus' name. And somebody came up, and they always did afterwards, say, did you realize that you weren't supposed to use Jesus' name? And, and I would say, yes, they briefed me on the fact that it wasn't a popular use of it. And I was more determined then than ever. Jesus knew well that there would be always thousands of such in his professing church. Thousands who, though convinced of the truth of the gospel, would never give up anything for his sake. To all such, he delivers this awful warning. He says, Woe! Woe unto you! One mighty lesson stands out plainly on the face of these verses. May we all, may we all lay it to heart and learn wisdom. That wisdom is the utter contrariety, contrariness between the mind of Christ, having the mind of Christ, that mind of Christ and the common opinions of humankind. The entire variance between the thoughts of Jesus and the prevailing thoughts of the world. We have a theology within the United Methodist Church and it's prevalent in many Protestants and making inroads in the Catholic Church too. Higher criticism of scripture that you have to go away from the biblical teachings and incorporate the culture into the church rather than the church into the culture. The condition of life which the world reckons desirable are the very conditions upon which the Lord pronounces woes. Poverty and hunger and sorrow and persecution are the very things which people labor to avoid. Riches and fullness and merriment and popularity are precisely the things which people are always, we are always struggling to attain. And when we have said all this in the way of qualifying and explaining and limiting our Lord's words, there still remain two sweeping assertions. The assertions which flatly contradict the current doctrine of humanity. The state of the life which our Lord blesses, if our Lord blesses it, the world cordially dislikes it. You can see it on many of the fake news stations, how they put down and they make mock, mock Christians. The people to whom our Lord says, woe, woe unto you are the, the very people whom the world admires and seems to praise him and initiates. One prominent attorney who's been in all kinds of problems and at once was pushed by the ladies of the view to become president. This is an awful fact when the world pushes individuals into leadership, which are like porn stars or pornographic in their mind or their desires. This is an awful fact. It ought to raise within us the great searchings of our heart. Does God still have a sense of control over your heart? 
and the searchings of your heart. Let us leave this whole passage with this honest. It's a, it needs to be an honest inquiry and self-examination. Let us ask ourselves what we think of the, the wonderful declarations that, that it contains. Can we subscribe? Can we subscribe to what our Lord says? Are we of the one mind of Christ? Do we really believe that poverty and persecution endured for Christ's sake are, are positive blessings? Do we really believe that riches and worldly enjoyments and popularity among people when sought for more than salvation or preferred in the least to the praise of God are a positive curse? Do we really think that the favor of Christ with trouble and all the world's ill word is, is better worth having than money and merriment and a good name among people without Christ? We think we struggled growing up ourselves. What are the struggles that the teenagers and the young adults of today struggling with and the peer pressures they're under? These are most serious questions and they deserve a most serious, serious answer. The passage before us is eminently one which tests the reality, the reality of Christianity, the truths it contains are truths which no unconverted person can love and, and receive. And happy are those who have found them truths by experience and, and can say amen or a woman to all our Lord's declarations. Whatever people may please to think, those whom Jesus blessed, blessed are blessed. And those whom Jesus does not bless will be cast out forevermore in separation. Father, this morning as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and as we seek the blessings and our lower nature avoids those woes, rather than coming under condemnation in the here and now, we want to repent. Chronicles reminds us that if my people, that's if, there's 1,522 ifs in the Bible. 1,500,522 ifs in the Bible. That because of our human nature, and because of our freedom, our freedom to choose, you've given us the right and the privilege to choose first your kingdom. You've granted unto us to choose the celebration of the worldly acclaim or to be acclaimed and admired by you as we seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we repeat after me, Dear Lord, help me to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. I repent. Give me the strength, O Lord, to fight the, the warfare of faith, the battles before me. Empower me. Strengthen me by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers come and wait upon you for your prayer and your financial gifts this morning, would you join me in our offertory prayer printed in the bulletins? Sovereign God, we give our tithes and gifts this day 
knowing that you are deserving of the best we have to offer. The tithe in Scripture we're called to give is to be our first fruits, not what is left over. Yet in his writing, Paul reminds us that Christ was, in fact, the first fruits in your new covenant of salvation for each of us. May we live as an offering worthy of this great gift. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As the ushers come, would you turn to your offertory hymn, Only Trust Him, Purple Hymnals, number 337, please. 337, Purple Hymnals.
gracious and merciful God, we offer our gift to you this day and open our hands and our, our hearts to thee. We know there have been days when we have clung to money for our security to try to control our futures. At times we've been tempted to believe that in gaining more we could find greater salvation. Open our ears and our minds to hear the truth from your Apostle Paul that we need only hold firmly to the good news of Christ's death and resurrection. It alone will save us. In the holy name of Jesus, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. 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 In any recorded givings to the church, there's envelopes in the back. It, where's that now? That box, those envelopes. Oh, you did pass out to those who were here? Okay. So if, by way of television, or radio, or YouTube, or Facebook, if you've given financially to the church here, do we have your receipts? Do we have your addresses? Just let us know. Okay. I think we're ready to go then. Six, six, six. 